0: Hi there, welcome to Live at Gilmore Guitars and today it's Pete Stone in the studio, Live at Gilmore Guitars. David Gilmore Guitars Pete Stone In the house Hello Hey Pete Thanks for uh, Making the trip over Well thanks for having me You and I Go back a long Long way Yes we do It's got to be Almost 20 years It's probably more Than 20
1: years Uh, It would be 1994 Yes Yeah
0: You were uh, uh, still in high school, and you were doing a practicum at the radio station, at the Zed, when I was working there.
1: Yeah, that was my last semester, grade 12, and uh, yeah, every every morning I'd go over there and uh, work with Cliff.
0: Work with Cliff in the 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 engineering department, yeah.
1: Yeah, I got to clean a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, <laughs> clean a lot of stuff, and and you sort of immersed yourself within the staff, and uh, you you, you went out. You were talking earlier that uh, you'd been out on a remote with Pat Thomas, and and you did all those sorts of things. So that was kind of cool. And um, I remember specifically you and I playing together at Zedstock. That was a, a concert that we put on down down downtown there. Yeah, and, Zedstock.
1: Uh, because it was the
0: 25th anniversary, or wasn't it? I I can't remember what the actual occasion. We, we, yeah, it was we the put
1: 25th anniversary of uh, Woodstock, and so we did Zedstock downtown. That's, that's down correct. And down. yeah. yeah,
0: and uh, I remember uh, John Ferguson from the downtown business association uh, kind of spearheaded that whole thing, and we put it together. And it was a full day, and it was a. I remember it being just a ton of fun.
1: It was, yeah. Because I remember uh, I remember playing with you. Yep. And I I even remember we did, like, Little Wing. Little Wing. We did Breakdown. Wish You Were Here. Wish You Were Here. What else did we do? I can't remember. But those were... um, That was the first time I've ever heard Breakdown, because I never was a petty guy. (laughs) Right. And you're like, yeah, and you did the leads, and I did the... uh, Mm -hmm. You sang it, and I did the uh, uh, backdowns and the acoustic. Also, I had a band... We recall 23 lockdown at the time oh, okay yeah and we did a we did a show there too and uh that band broke up shortly after <laughs> because guys moved away i went yeah. i went to rdc and recorded a demo and recorded all the other guys guitar parts so that kind of breaks up a band apparently
0: and you have been playing the guitar like obviously you were playing well at that at that time and uh you've become quite an accomplished guy you're 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 kind of a uh a go-to uh hired gun around town you play in a couple of bands
1: yeah i've uh just recently i've just done stuff with jesse rhodes yeah playing with him so that uh I've played for Steve Arsenal. Yeah. And that's, uh, I've played bass and guitar with him. Steve's a hell of a guitar player, though. Yeah. So yeah. he does all those country leads so well. I just, I'm pretty good at the power chords. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, I've, uh, well, 89 still go on our band, our cover band. Right. I started about 03, 04, I think it was. And
0: that's, that's you and Corey. Me
1: and Corey Michaud and Sam Ladinsky on drums. Right. And then a couple of years ago, um, I guess it would be 2017. Sam and I did a two-piece called Belclava. Right. Where it's just, I'm on bass and he's on drums and I use uh, pedals and stuff like that just to get a really cool sound.
0: So why would you do that? What What was the, uh, the inspiration t- to do that?
1: That was actually, Sam was laid off from his job because he works a seasonal position with the city. And he said, let's start a dirty two-piece. And I was like, yeah. And then I... Royal Blood was pretty big at the time, and okay. I saw how they were doing it, running a bass through a guitar amp and a bass amp, but also just having a really full sound, and so I went down and just bought a couple of pedals, figured it out, and we wrote some songs and made a little EP, and yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. We got to open for some pretty cool bands, actually, so that was nice. cool. Like who? Uh, Age of Electric Nice. got to open for them. Todd Kearns is probably one of my favorite singers of all time. Yeah. Uh, Conaline Crush. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, Colorado, they're a younger band. We opened for them at Bose. Okay, so stuff like that, and you know, we got to do uh, you know just some local festivals and open up for other bands and, and stuff. Uh, so that's always been you know fun when you can do that in original form. I love playing covers and bashing out that stuff. Right, it's, it's always a little bit more uh, rewarding when you uh, when it's your song.
0: Right, right, uh, and you've you've been like a long-term tech at the vat yeah i
1: did uh, and
0: actually you you hold the honor of being the last tech at the vat
1: pretty much yeah i uh well i started i've probably played more new year's there than anybody else with with 89 and then uh we had a band shark puncher Yep. we played there and uh it started i think i'd always been doing the jams like yeah 89 was born on the Vat stage Corey was bartending and I'd go on a Sunday and I'd be like, Hey, let's, uh, let's jam. And our friend, the late Rob Russell, he was our drummer and we would just get up and do uh three songs on Corey's break. And, and then next thing you know, we're doing a Friday, Saturday. And, uh, so that was cool. And then about, I think it was 2000, it was 2012 when I got asked to, uh, host the jams. And I'd always been reluctant because I always liked to be able to go home early and, and sleep. <laughs> yes. It goes pretty late, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah 2012 I started hosting and I was doing Sundays and I was doing a Wednesday acoustic jam and then uh, actually we had an 89 gig there and the one sound guy couldn't make it and I just said well I'll do it I'll figure it out I'd done sound before in country bands and stuff like that right when I was you know the bass player in those bands but uh, it was uh, a learning experience with the digital age and learning some of these new boards and right. stuff like that
0: yeah and you actually spent some time on the road playing bass in a country band didn't you
1: yeah that was my first gig out of uh i went to college and uh, my first gig was with a guy named clayton bellamy mm-hmm. and uh i was with him for a very short time and then i uh, i went and played with another guy named john stone no relation and we yeah. played for two years on the road and and then that kind of settled and next thing you knew i was in sales and and i always kept playing though right yeah, But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's been uh, kind of uh, the way it's went. I just kind of went with the flow and opportunities came. Like, I never thought I'd be a sound guy, but I did it for almost eight years
0: at the bat. So. Right. And sometimes you just get good at those sorts of things just by default.
1: Well, there was a lot of trial and error on that one, I'll yeah, tell you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> nice.
0: All right. So... The Live at Gilmore Guitars podcast is all about original music. So let's get another Pete Stone song in. Right on. What are we going to do?
1: Uh, this one's called Lockdown. It's uh, I wrote a bunch of songs in September. I kind of went through a, a really dry period of writing where I had nothing coming out. And then, uh, yeah, I just I wasn't working. I wasn't doing anything. And then uh, just, you know, kind of writing about what's going on with... It's kind of a song about what was going on in life but also going on in my my personal relationships and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so and also i wanted to write an acoustic little ep and uh yeah it's called lockdown
0: live at gilmore guitars pete stone
2: Copy of the day, and all those little pieces, pieces of the puzzle. Were they even all there? And just how did you fare? Whoa. Down, Don't mean we are brought down Just cause we are dated Don't mean we are faded Just cause we are fighting Don't mean our love is dying Something will emerge from this Something will emerge from this Another corner, another dead end, and there isn't a map. They say just follow the path. Whoa, I got time. Don't mean we are brought down Just cause we are jaded Don't mean we are faded Just cause we are fighting Don't mean our love is dying Something will emerge from this Something will emerge from this stuck inside your doors you might start to think too much wondering if there's something more wondering locked down don't mean we are brought down just cause we are jaded don't mean we have faded just cause we are fighting don't mean our love is dying something will emerge from this something
0: Live at Gilmore Guitars, Pete Stone. That's a great song and very timely, I might add. Yeah, you know. So, COVID is roughly a year old, and how has it impacted you on a on a personal level? Because I know that artists across the country are they're, they're hurting. It's hard. It's it's tough. Even if you have a job, it's tough.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh you got to think of new ways to try and do things, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny because I booked more gigs this year than I had booked in the last few years combined. I always had that steady uh, sound gig at the VAT. I was hosting jams. So I was playing twice a week or three times a week anyways. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden that was gone. And it, uh, it really messed me up for a little bit because everything you kind of been working towards and pushing towards was all suddenly gone. You're like, Hmm, but, uh, you know, you just make the best of it. Uh, I tried to see the, the good spots in it. It allowed me to actually start writing again. Cause it's not that I couldn't write before because I was busy or anything. It was just, uh, it just wasn't focused. It allowed me to focus a little bit more. So I took that opportunity to do that. Um, yeah, personally I was, you know, I, you know, I could write a country song. I lost my job. I lost my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, my dog's still there. That's good. <laughs> <Nice>. but, <laughs> but other than that, um, but then I thought about like writing and actually really when I started to write these songs that I put out just recently, I actually thought more about the lyrics before than I ever have before. I'd always been, I could come up with tons of chords and riffs and stuff, but lyrics have always been so hard. Right, And the guys that can write really good lyrics, I'm really envious of because...
0: Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. Like, writing songs is just one of those things that I have not developed. And it's one thing that I, I just envy because there, there's so many great songwriters. In Red Deer, you know, let alone across the country, there's a lot of great songwriters.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, even, when was it? Last Friday, I listened to Ryan Carnduff on... Uh, i was able yeah. to Chromecast him onto my big screen tv and oh nice it was like he was playing in my living room and that was cool and uh even uh you know i listened to your podcast with mike mm-hmm. and uh you know just to have him tell his stories and he's got a really cool story and uh so just actually getting to learn more about some of these local musicians that i've known forever right and i just like they've come and played with me or at shows i've been at and uh it's so that's pretty cool i think it's if anything it's helping the scene get a little bit closer knit
0: yeah my it my goal is is to get as many of these local songwriters on the podcast as i can yeah as many of that will come and talk to me
1: well when i was younger too though i was i always took things i was super serious i took things as a everything as a competition yeah where i'd see a guy play and be like oh i can play
0: better than that <laughs> yeah yeah and but you know, there there was a certain aspect to, to the guitar world of, you know, well, that I'm
1: especially the late eighties, yeah. early nineties. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, there was kind of a, Oh, you do that. And
0: I wonder if Crossroads had anything to do with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I just remember when, uh, you know, I was, I was a huge, like air metal Metallica yep. fan. And all of a sudden this band Nirvana comes out. Yeah and you realize how much fun it is to play like three chords and play them just loud and bash them out yeah that was a that was a big eye opener for me but also just the way he sang he wasn't trying to sing like a you know some of those guys sang so high like yeah you know god bless Sammy Hagar that guy can sing freaking high but Man, nobody can sing those songs. He can't even sing them anymore. No. It's true. Although I don't think Cobain could sing the songs. He was blowing out his voice yeah. recording, but yeah. that's another that's another, you know, <laughs> yeah. podcast. You could do a whole podcast on singers and stuff.
0: Yeah. No kidding. So talk to me a little bit about your process when it comes to writing songs.
1: Well, so I usually have the music first, like the melody mm-hmm. and something in my head. And then I'll just sit there and go whatever I have going on, or and I'm
2: like, and I'll
1: just kind of mumble stuff, right? And every time, every once in a while, you'll have a word come out, okay? And you'll make something of it. So that's there's different ways. So that's one way. Other ways will sometimes I'll I'll just be playing something, whatever that emotion it's invoking. I'll try to try to write about it, right? Um. Like uh, I'll talk more about this on the last song I do, but uh, just sometimes you get an idea and you want to write about it, and you try and fit the music around it. Um, I've written songs. I've actually written the last a lot of the last few songs I've written when I'm out running. Okay, I'll be out running and I'll just get something in my head, and I'll be 4K from home, and I'll just keep repeating in my head, keep thinking of this chorus or whatever. I'll get home run downstairs grab a guitar and i'll be like you know sometimes amazed i'm like oh i was actually thinking in the key of c you know i'm like oh that's cool and then
0: uh that's actually quite interesting
1: (laughs) yeah so well after a while you just i kind of i do a lot of visual learning and visualization so right um when i think of an a like i see it in my head more than i you know Okay. I don't have to look at my guitar a whole lot. It's more just for just to make sure you're not going. Oh wait, I got to be down here. Right. But uh, a lot of visualiz- visualization. It's really hard to explain. Like once you have something in your head, it comes out. Um, and I go in spurts. I'll write two songs in a day, and then I won't write anything for two months. Right. So that's kind of how. Are I you a note taker at all? I don't take a lot of notes but uh i did i I do sometimes write down choruses or ideas about songs to write about a certain idea um so i did this last ep called control the idea was about how um i called it control and it's like there's very different you know uh waves of control that you have and there's like control of your emotions control of your actions and then like also this was more of a technological like what do we actually have control of online? Like, like you're on your phone all the time. Can you mm-hmm. control not being on your phone all the time? That kind of stuff. Uh, just different ideas like that and exploring them and kind of trying to go through them with a song. And sometimes you get something good and sometimes you don't, but that's okay.
0: All right. So how many songs have you uh, put together <laughs>
1: uh,
0: in, in this last little,
1: last little bit, um, probably 20.
0: Okay. Wow. That's a lot.
1: And then, uh, I'll go in spurts while I'll do a bunch like that. I'm gonna do actually probably in a couple of weeks ago three older songs that are recorded with an, another guy called Rory Burnett. Okay. Rory. Rory is a great uh musician. I did some recordings with him six or seven years ago and I found them and I was like, I should release these. So I'm gonna put that on in a couple of weeks, just call it past lives. So
0: are something. you putting them all out on streaming services yeah. or how are you how are you doing it?
1: It's all out on Spotify apple music youtube amazon they're all out on that stuff okay so i found a distrib- distributor i could go through that with okay um and it's uh, it's working out good so far you can upload as much you know you can upload your music um there's different services out there yeah um actually a guy i ask a lot of uh for that kind of stuff and marketing and doing all that jesse rhodes is mm-hmm. a friend of mine who i ask a lot of uh questions about that too because yeah,
0: Jesse's my my webmaster. Yeah. He he built my website. Yeah. He's uh, he's uh
1: he's got that stuff down. I don't think I've ever seen anybody else be able to market himself as good as he does.
0: He works at it a lot.
1: Yeah, he puts a lot of work into it and uh well, we did that thing with him uh in Cremona and the yeah. barn, the live the live cast that we did all over. We did five different concerts. Yeah. I drank a lot of beer during that, <laughs> but it was it was fun. Yeah, and it was fun. Also, you know, I'm playing with my buddy Scott on bass, who we played together in Shark Puncher, and then Sam was on drums, right? Who I've played with forever in our bands, and then you got Curtis Labelle on keyboards, who is just
0: he's amazing. a monster. Yeah, he's a, he's a monster piano yeah. player for sure. So our,
1: that was a that was a pretty cool thing to be a part of, but. You know, that might be the future of the way things are going, more stuff like that. Like like I said, I watched Ryan last week, and I thought, well, maybe I should do one of these. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I think that a lot of, you know, established artists who were touring, recording artists have mm-hmm. taken to, to doing the live streams and, you know, selling, you know, tickets via PayPal to, you know, and it's just, you know, pay what you can if you can kind of idea right yeah. and and i know some of them have have done quite well on occasion with a live stream so
1: yeah there is that option one that actually kind of got me a little irritated they're my favorite band i love dave Grohl. and yeah the foo fighters did one a couple of weeks ago but you had to pay 15 bucks to watch their live stream oh really and i was like well is that going anywhere like i'm sure it is going somewhere but i was just kind of like why don't you just do a live stream? Yeah. Like, you guys, you guys don't need the money.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, I've got all your records. Like, come on.
0: <laughs> and I like Dave Grohl. I think Dave Grohl is a legitimate rock star, and he's you know probably the rock star of of that generation.
1: Oh, it was for me. Even when uh, when the Foo Fighters' first album came out, I remember being at a a party, and me and my buddy Rob. We kept replaying the CD over, and somebody finally came over and said, "Can we listen to something else?" We went, "No." Do you know who this is? Like I remember seeing Dave Grohl on uh, playing for Tom Petty on Saturday Night Live. Yes, yes. And I remember watching it. And I go,
0: "That's Dave Grohl." And
1: yeah. like that was before the Foo Fighters. So I've been a, I've been a big fan.
0: Yeah, that was. It was after Kurt did what he did yeah and he started the foo fighters and because what happened was um the uh the heartbreakers drummer uh, uh name escapes me now yeah. he decided that he was didn't want to be in the heartbreakers anymore
1: yeah and uh there's if you ever watched that documentary back and forth by foo fighters dave was like i got a call like do you want to be on tour and he goes i remember Slowly putting the phone down, going, saying, no, I'm going to do my own band. Thank you. And he goes, I could be making a very big mistake here. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't. Yeah. That's just, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. I think that way of doing stuff is way different now than what we have for platforms and music.
0: Well, I think there's something to be said for incredible belief in yourself. Oh, yeah, Totally. Speaking of Incredible, that's the next song we're gonna do. Right
1: on segue.
0: Live at Gilmore Guitars, Pete Stone. All
2: right. Here comes another wave, another tsunami, one more disaster don't know if help is on the way one thing after another don't freak out don't freak out To burn, about to catch fire. We take another turn in the blazing sky. It gets darker and darker. Don't freak out, don't freak
0: I have a Gilmore Guitars, Pete Stone. That's a great song. Oh, thank you. That's really good. So you're, you're recording all of these songs and you're doing them in, in your own studio, correct?
1: Just in my basement. on a...
0: So what kind of a setup
1: are you using? I have a seven-year-old iPad right. that won't even run Gmail anymore. <laughs> okay. So I just have an interface that goes into that. I'm using GarageBand. So all the stuff that I put out on Spotify, it's, it's their smart drummer that I try and tweak to the best I can. And uh so the first one I did September was all acoustic and then the second one I did was all electric. And uh actually that song, this last song, I wrote on an electric. Most of the stuff I write is on acoustic, and then I'll transfer it over, but okay. um yeah, that song's at like 182 beats per minute and when I did it electric I downpicked everything, but I don't have my metallica stamina that I did when I was a kid, <laughs> so my arms started to like cramp up and my tricep would get sore. <laughs> And I actually, that was one I did. I do a lot of stuff in one or two takes. I'm not really worried about perfectionism. But right. that song I had to do in spots because my arm would just get too tired. I was like, oh, I'm getting old. I can't, probably can't even play Master of Puppets anymore. Jeez.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, what uh, what gear are you using, like as far as guitars and that sort of stuff?
1: I've got this Ibanez acoustic that I bought off Jason Filiatro when he worked at uh, mm-hmm. Parkland Audio. And I showed up there one day. Out, I got out of a cab, and uh, I'd been—I think I'd been out drinking and something. And it was right before Christmas. No. <laughs> and I go in there and I was just playing guitars and and uh, as I was playing this one. It was—it was only like four hundred fifty bucks. But I go and it had a, it's got a nice little inlay on the fretboard, and I was like, I go, yeah. I go and I—I needed a like a good banger guitar just to to have so i just bought off the spot off and i go hey jay i'll get this he's like what because i had done sales forever i'd like i don't need to we called it in the sales business stroke the salesman off you know <laughs> yeah. just to, yeah you know try and get a better deals like no i'll just take this one you know I got in a cab went home my wife at the time was very mad because <laughs> i bought myself a christmas present but i always said you can't You can buy somebody a guitar, but somebody who's really into guitars, you almost need to have them there. To to, some people, are so particular.
0: I often say that guitars are like puppies. Yeah. They'll pick
1: you, right? Yeah, you you see it, and you're like, that's that's the one I want to play. And everybody has their own thing. Like I, I worked at the music store in town, and I sold guitars. And I remember selling guitars that I just thought were butt ugly. Yeah. And are even just. I didn't like, but that guy liked that guitar, and he's happy. For sure.
0: And, you know, it's interesting, uh, even in my small showroom, what different people will gravitate to. Like, I know what my favorite guitar is in the showroom, and sometimes people will go right at that guitar, and sometimes they they would go just... The opposite direction.
1: Yeah, you never know, right? And
0: and you did not pick my favorite guitar in the room.
1: I know. I could <laughs> tell when I picked it up, you were like, that one? Really? I was like, eh, well, you know, I got this one song. I'm going to use a cutaway. Huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it, it's, the one you picked is a great guitar. It's the standard cutaway. It's, it's a really great guitar. I like it a lot. But it's, there's just another guitar in the room that when I pick it up, and, and it's in my lap. It just kind of feels like home. Well, there, it, there you, you go. You know, I hope I sell it, but I secretly hope it doesn't sell, <laughs> you know, one of those things.
1: Well, because so, when, I, when I met you first, you weren't building guitars yet. No, not yet. When did you go to do that? It, it would
0: have been? been the fall of 1995.
1: Yeah, so it would have been shortly after. Yeah. And you went
0: to Saskatchewan for yeah, that? Yeah, Tagaski, Saskatchewan.
1: I think I had a second cousin go to the same luthier. Okay, and he built uh, he built a guitar, and I remember him bring it over, and because uh, he came from a family of all all RC and P. Okay, yeah, and he was the baby brother that just did stuff with wood, you <laughs> yeah. know, and built you know furniture okay. and cabinets and stuff like that. And but I remember he built a he built a couple, but um, yeah, it's uh, no, that's pretty cool because years later here we are
0: yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> here we are so we're talking about guitars is there a guitar in your life that got away a guitar that you wish you had never sold or was stolen or? Actually,
1: i actually have a guitar i might have to bring to you okay so it was a unicorn, a less a japanese les paul copy i bought in a pawn shop in 1999 in moose
0: jaw okay yeah
1: i was playing at the royal hotel and uh,
0: I played in that hotel.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you ever stay upstairs in the haunted room? And that's where we stayed. Yeah, yeah, I stayed in the haunted room. Yeah. It was nice going to a shower where the, uh, the faucet were for the, or the shower head was uh, below your, your uh, nipples. So that was always <laughs> Well, fun. I'm short. I've never had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would still be short for you, Dave. <laughs> so I remember that. And uh, actually, uh, Eddie, the manager at the time, we actually got to go down underneath into the uh tunnels that, the tunnels yeah but the tunnels that weren't part of the tour right so we got to go down there that was uh that was something that was cool but uh yeah so i bought this uh, unicorn les paul played awesome i did a bunch of recording with it i took it to the vat probably 2002 and this is when the vat was still just in the it wasn't the full stage at the back door it was in if you walk into the vat now and you see the exit door. The stage was in the right-hand corner.
0: Yeah, I remember it was a lot smaller room in the beginning than it is now. Yeah.
1: And uh, I remember the strap broke, and I didn't catch it because I had, you know, probably had a beer in my hand or something. And the headstock went down, and it cracked. And I, I glued it back together, and it was semi-playable, but it was just never the same. And I, I realized I probably just need to get a new neck for it. and then, And then... I was playing I had an Epiphone Les Paul and I, to, I was doing a jam and my buddy played it and for whatever reason because he was hammered threw my new brand new Epiphone Les Paul across the room and broke a bunch of stuff off of it. Like he broke the input jack and all this stuff so I stole all the parts out of the old thing and put it in the new thing so okay. at least I had one working guitar out of two but yeah I, I, uh, I also put a whole bunch of uh, here's my nerd factor Star Trek uh, card stickers on it so it's it's the star trek guitar yeah so it looks cool it sounds good the pickups in there are great so there's that and then i also have another i have a squire a korean squire that i put these uh quarter pounder uh seymour duncan pickups in it actually steve raskus put them in okay and uh that's one where i want to i want to change it from a floating bridge to a hardtail and then uh, i just need a new nut and that's that's about it but uh, those are the guitars. Well, you got a guy, right? Yeah, I know a guy. Other than that, you know, I've been, my my one buddy hates that I play a lot of Fenders. But I said, man, they're cheap, easy guitars to have on the road. And,
0: yeah, I and they're indestructible. You oh, know, yeah. You, you know, a guy can come at you, you can pull your telly off and whack him in the head and put it on, and it's not <laughs> even going to go out of tune. Yeah, the they're 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 awesome that way yeah the my guitar that got away is in that picture there it was uh one of the very first Japanese squires oh yeah and uh I ended up trading it for a two twelve cabinet <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was a great guitar i i mean i I traded for something that I needed. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was just throwing it away or anything like that. But you know, all these years later, I'm going, "Oh man, I wish I still had that guitar."
1: I've uh, I've kept every guitar I bought. I've got what 14 of them now.
0: You're probably one of the very few that has kept everything.
1: I did sell one though. I had a, I had a friend. I bought a, a Epiphone SG. I bought it for 200 bucks and I ended up selling it for like four. After nice. I did. I did a lot of work to make it playable. Yeah. She wanted it for her boyfriend, and I was like, hey, get this one. The thing I didn't – the reason why I sold the SG is I don't like to wear the leather straps when I play because if you have a T-shirt on and you got the leather strap, and I kind of thrash around a bit when I play. Next thing you know, your T-shirt is balled up by your ear. or <laughs> It's all stretched out, and I like the kind of – uh, I call it the seatbelt kind of straps, you know, the, yeah. the ones that can slide up and down very easily. And uh, the SG, because it's so headstock heavy, you let go of it, it just go straight down. Yeah. And uh, it was funny, though, because in the one band, in Shark Puncher, uh, uh, Nick had a red SG, too. So sometimes we'd play the same guitar, just and we played ACDC covers with it, you know, because that's, that's yeah. what you got to do, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, let's get one last song here on the podcast. What are we going to do this time?
1: All right, so this one's called Echo. And uh, all I wrote down on a piece of paper, I just I was just like kind of doing stuff around the house, probably cleaning or whatever. And I got a little notepad there. And underneath the grocery list, I just wrote Cotton and Echo. And it was like kind of, I had just had this idea about uh, it's about, it's about letting go. And it's also, it could be about like, it was kind of about my relationship, but then I realized it was more than in anything else. It was more about sometimes you have people in your life that you just can't let go of, either for bad reasons or good reasons. And sometimes they're just so much a part of you, like, say, uh, you know, say family that have passed on, that, you know, you're never going to move on unless you let them go. But sometimes you just, you can't. You don't want to because... Yeah you're going to hold them close and then you know and that's okay and that's that's kind of the whole idea about the song it was kind of be like one of those whoa i'm trying to I'm kind of getting heavy here you know <laughs> you know oh okay ted you know and, yeah. but that's that's kind of the idea about it but uh, when i recorded it I, I did it all in electric and then i realized it, it would be really shitty to play in the key of b so i do it in the key of c so you know just you got to transpose sometimes <laughs> to make it work but yeah this one's called
0: echo <laughs> live at gilmore guitars it's pete stone
2: guys yeah. If you tears down.
0: at Gilmore Guitars Pete Stone and for the purposes of the podcast you are playing a Gilmore guitar that is a Gilmore standard the cutaway with the uh, the uh, the bevel the arm bevel number 188
1: yep there you go
0: thank you for coming down
1: thanks for having me David
0: it was a lot of fun
1: tell everybody where they can get your music uh, you can get my music on Spotify Apple Music
0: all the streaming platforms but it's all out there that's awesome thank, thank you, you. Live at Gilmore Guitars, it's in the can.